Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Danny Cannell, Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, and Tom Fernelli. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It is game week. We are so fired up to be here with you. FBS football is on the calendar. The Locks podcast will be recorded. First one of 2020 is coming at you on Thursday. Make sure that you subscribe. If you haven't already, you want to make sure that you've got that on your device first. You don't even want to have to worry about it. You want to go and you just want to pull up your phone. Oh, look, there's an alert. I should go ahead and get these locks. Come and get them. They're coming on Thursday. Danny Cannell, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Uh, Let's see. We got some like landscape, not shifting, but impactful uh, opt-outs that have come here over the last weekend. We've got some camp buzz to get to, but we did have college football. We had uh, top 25, top 15 FCS college football over the weekend as Central Arkansas bested Austin P 24-17. We got to see uh, a lot. I've got maybe, you know, a handful of, of sort of observations, takeaways, but I want to hear from you guys first. Uh, Barton, as, uh, as was your Nashville heart broken? Was it shattered as the, it was a bad beat? They'd played well enough to win. They had uh, overcome the adversity of so many uh, so, so many bungled snaps. <laughs> Jeremiah Oatsfall punting it out there. The RPPO. What'd you think, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I thought it was a fun first game. I thought, uh, you know, I kind of expected uh, I, I, my, my pick was awesome. P I kind of expected Jeremiah Oatsfall to find a way. I think the biggest takeaway is that like game one of the season, Fresh out the gate, we had surprise COVID news. Yeah. Like day of game. But not not small surprise COVID news. It was like one of their best defense, one of Ossipi's best defensive linemen, their best offensive player, who's like an all-American at wide receiver. And I think they're wasn't their long snapper one of the one of the guys that was out? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which that, that, that proved to be yeah, <laughs> that proved to be as big a deal as any of them. So, um, you know, our first our first little wake up call of what we're going to deal with as as, um, as as professional wagerers <laughs> in college football. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year, whereas, you know, we're going to be doing our locks on Thursday like we always do. But I don't think I'm going to be placing any official 
actual bets until minutes before kickoff, or I'll probably even wait till I'll just do live betting. I don't know if I'm going to be looking at lines on Tuesday saying, oh man, look at that value. That is a mistake. I'm getting them minus three and a half while I still can only to find out that, you know, half the roster is going to be having to sit out this week as well as everybody that they've talked to in the last three days. I think there's going to be a lot of, of, uh, like having a pick, seeing the COVID report, Switching your pick and then being like, oh, why did I switch my pick? Oh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> Buy on bad news because, look, you you would think you'd jump on the other side of Austin P when the news broke, but, man, that was the right side. They had that. <laughs> like, and so we had a last-minute touchdown, 31 seconds left, Central Arkansas. They got a good passing game, marched down the field, uh, throw the game-winning touchdown. Like, I think if you were holding on to that Austin P ticket, you were not on the wrong side. If you had that Central Arkansas ticket, you were like, woof. Glad to get out of that one with the dub. Danny, you think you're on the right side, don't you? No, 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 I don't. I, I totally agree with Tom, though. And if you were live betting, don't you think you probably would have stuck with Austin P after watching mm-hmm. it for a while? So, like, I, to your point, I think that was the right side. I got lucky being on the right side of having Central Arkansas. <laughs> um, it's – there were a couple things that stood out to me. One, I think it's – and maybe this is just one all-encompassing thought. I think college football – is going to be a lot like high school football. Sloppy? This fall. Sloppy, like all hands on deck, little crowds. You know, it's I played at a tiny private school, so there was nobody at our games. Like, we didn't have Friday night lights. We had Saturday afternoon in the heat in South Florida, so nobody was there. Good times. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just – and what I think would be really interesting to know is what conversations are being had today with – the players in the SEC, ACC, Big 12 with the bigger name programs and how many coaches are going to use that to change their philosophy last minute to kind of harp on the fact that everybody has to be ready. Every de- like Depth is going to be such a premium. I think that was on display. I think the more athletes you have that you can pull from the offense to put on the defense, that you can pull from the defense to put in the offense – to maneuver guys around to see hey, which quarterback is our best. But like that, the other thing I was getting, like there are probably going to be coaches that are having tryouts today to see who their second and third and 14 long snappers are. And you never would see that before, but by necessity. And I think the good coaches will do that. Now there'll be some coaches who will go over the top, but I think you're like, it's going to be a learning thing. And I think it's going to be whoever adjusts the fastest this year to all this uncertainty, to all these things unfolding, whoever handles that, unknown and that you know kind of craziness and embraces it almost is going to be the coach that has the most most success but i think the players the team that have the most athletes that you can just throw out there and and have you know enough to get some ball done like that's going to be the team that succeeds the other thing i'm curious to see is man if we have coaches complaining about the scheduling what are coaches going to do if they have and we've already seen auburn had 16 players um, Texas Tech had 22. Are there going to be coaches that say, I don't think we should be playing this week? Because that's a really tough sell now when you've been saying we need to play football, fall, fall, you know, we got to play football. But then you realize, uh oh, we're hit, we're thin. We don't have a long snapper. We don't have, uh, you know, d- we have two receivers that are healthy. Like, what do you do then? And who decides that? Like, all these unknown things were go running through my mind as I was watching the game Saturday. Do you think? Okay, how about this? Are you ready for the takery and the fan madness when those decisions are made 
conveniently when Clemson's on the schedule or when Alabama's on the schedule. And then when you are playing Arkansas or Vanderbilt, you're like, no, our third stringers got this. Like we need to go and get this W right now. Like, it, you know, cause we see it, it, when, uh, when there's weather cancellation delays, you know, and where one fan base is blaming the other fan base and you're oh, blaming like the Florida athlete. LSU a few years ago with a hurricane where it suddenly, it became like, no, no, this is, they just were scared to they play didn't want to play us. nothing to do with the hurricane. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I'm wondering what's going to happen when we start to run out of these bye weeks. Like for example, you know, NC state just shut everything down. They weren't even practicing because they had so many players that were in quarantine after doing the contact tracing. And they are only just now starting to get back uh, into action. And part of their discussion when they announced the move of their season opener was like, look, by the time quarantine is up, we're not going to get these guys back until like two days before we leave to go play Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. That is not an ideal situation. How much are you willing to power through uh, not ideal situations because we're going to run out of weeks at some point in the season? I got a question for you guys. What what coach do you think is – because all the, the, the scenario that Danny laid out, right? like all the different moving pieces of potential quarantines and, and COVID tracing. What type of coach is better equipped to handle those sort of ins and outs? Like my initial, my initial hunch is like, Oh, it's, it's a, it's the planner. It's the PJ Fleck or James Franklin or the guy that's just looking at every angle and he's got a plan for everything and it's all laid out incrementally. But the more I think about it, as you guys are talking, like, I wonder if it's just like the less miles or just like the guy. <laughs> or Mike just, Leach. Just, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just like, you know, kind of hunchy sort of, oh, uh, we're not going to overthink this. Like if our uh, starting three quarterbacks go out, like we're just going to put a running back back there and play Wildcat. Or if our whatever, like if our if our long snapper goes out, we're going to go for it on fourth down every time. Like. I, I'm curious what do you guys think is going to be the coach that's best equipped? I've got your answer. It's Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he did it last year. It, the Kentucky coaching staff is the most They're prepared for personnel issues this year as a result of COVID tests. Yeah, I, I think that coaches that are just naturally more flexible with what they want to do, we're going to have an advantage. I think that coaches who are strict in their process, who you know have to have everything done in one certain way, I think that coaches like that will probably have more difficulty adapting to like this on the fly stuff. Whereas coaches that some of them are more fly by the seat of their pants. Although I don't think anybody's really that in college football. Nobody's gotten to that level. Just, you know, let's see what happens and like go forth. But I think guys who have shown a better ability to adapt or be a little less stringent in what they want to do, probably better equipped to deal with some of the things that they're likely to get this year. I think Mike Leach is a good call. I hadn't thought about him, but that's, He's the, he has the type of mind. He thinks about things in the way that I think he would make a lot of sense to 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 maximize this year. And he also like he's got now you might not like all of his opinions, but he's not like I I remember talking to him and it was at a Pac-12 dinner uh, when I was at ESPN. All these coaches were there. and It was like this thing to wine and dine all the, the Pac-12 coaches, kind of like their pre-media day dinner. And I remember sitting at Mike Leach's table. We talked zero football. He wanted to talk about Indians, his book. He wanted to talk about Key West because he knew I was from South Florida. Like some coaches have a balance, and it's, I think it's a healthy balance personally. 
And they're able to just realize that things are more important than football. And that doesn't sell with a fan base. And I don't, I don't think it describes many coaches, actually, because most of them eat, breathe, sleep football all the time. But it's the coaches that are kind of a little bit more, well, hey, yeah, let's, let's, we're going to go out there. We're just going to play a football game. Like I, don't, like, I don't care. Like, you know, just we'll roll out our guys and we'll see what happens. And I think I got, the coaches that handle it like that will be like, and even just now, like thinking about two of the best coaches in our game in Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, like I think clearly they're both exceptional at what they do, but I think of like Dabo and his approach, I think would handle it better than Saban would, you know, he's a little bit more like fun, you know, Hey, we're family and we have more fun and Saban is more rigid, you know, Hey, this is the way we do it. This is the only way we do it. And that's just a small example but I just think that a coach that's able to handle it better is going to have more success. Now it helps that he has, uh, you know, eight five stars at every position where he can just sub in different guys. But like I do think it's going to matter how the coach handles it, and there are going to be coaches that hate this season that will not flourish in this environment, and you'll it'll, they'll they'll have a rough time. They'll have a rough go of it because of it. Coaches with range. Yeah. Diverse, mm. diverse skill set, mm-hmm. diverse interests in, a, in yep. a world of specialization. Bring back the cover three book club, book club, cover three. <laughs> uh, other big news over the weekend as uh, it was broken, I believe, by uh, our own Dennis Dodd initially and yep. then confirmed across the board. Uh, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase is opting out of the 2020 season. That likely has him now just uh, done with LSU football, though his opting out, I believe, officially is just for the uh, the college football season. He will be I mean, he's going to be a first round pick in the 2021 NFL draft unless he shocks us all and decides that he wants to return for another season. This is a late opt out. College football players had absolutely no uh, deadline that they had to meet, but very, very late in the game, especially when he did make a. Uh, a big to-do about opting in for the 2020 season. LSU's offense takes an absolutely massive hit. He is arguably, outside of Derek Stingley Jr., maybe the best player in any position uh, on that LSU team. So maybe the best player in America. You, th- yeah. you throw that out there? I mean, yeah. He's very good. He might, be the, he might be the best player in America. Like the best football player. Capital F football, football player, player. Yeah. Um, how... How are we thinking, uh, I guess, Tom, how are we adjust? Yeah, you you wrote this. This was a Tom on the clock weekend. Oh, remember that? <laughs> remember I, t- I said we get these rotations and sometimes when it's your weekend, all the news breaks? Oh, this was a big Tom on the clock weekend. So what was your what was your reaction to the news and uh, and how, how are you adjusting your LSU expectations? Uh, I, I adjusted them. I feel like I was already kind of on an island with how I felt with LSU anyway, like I still had them finishing second in the West. I took the over on our locks pod and losing chase. It's like, even when you take into account everything that they'd already lost and weren't going to have chase was still a very good player to have. Cause like Barton just said, he might be the best football player in the country. So now he's gone too. So I think naturally you kind of have to adjust your feelings on LSU unless you were already really far down on him anyway. But I think if you were still sitting there like me, sitting there thinking, no, this is a team that could finish in second and compete for the division, maybe even flirt with a playoff berth. You know, now I think this has a, a huge impact on it. But what's more interesting to me is, is this something that is a result 
of COVID-19 that is going to stick in the future. Like, if yeah. we see Jamar Chase leaves this year and is still a top five pick, or you know, any player that doesn't play is, a, is projected to be an early first-round draft pick, and they, their draft stock is not hurt at all, because we've kind of seen signs of this in recent years to begin with. Like if you think with Leonard Fournette, when he was dealing with ankle injuries his junior year, he just was like, screw it. I'm not even going to mess around with it. My ankle hurts a little bit. I'll sit out and I'll play in the big games if I have to. But he was being you know, very cautious. And we've seen a lot of players with high draft stock do that in recent years as their juniors. So I'm wondering if this is going to be one of the side effects of this pandemic season that is not going to go away and it's going to be something we start seeing a whole lot more regularly going forward. I don't know about a whole lot more regularly. I do think it, I do think we're going to this will normalize it to a degree um, because, you know, but, but but I also think Jamar Chase is probably sitting there. First of all, the. There's this is these are unique circumstances because of the season. I think he's probably sitting there being like, "All right, an agent can sit here and pay me some absurd advance. I can go to Phoenix and uh, be in a a mini bubble myself, train and get ready for the draft. No worry about COVID, and um, you know, and then just sort of have a clear conscience about going. I think you're still going to have most years where, more, like. It's very rare to me that like a a, a potential first round draft pick is just not going to want to play. Like it's like I still think there's a level of ingrained competitiveness in these guys. Like they're going to want to play. Like I think that's going to be hard to sit out for an entire season just and and just be like, you know, I mean, yeah, like it, like it, you know, Bo, uh, was it Joey Bosa did it or Nick 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 Bosa sat just, out after his injury. Yeah, after the hernia. After the hernia, like you know, he 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 cashed it in, but he was there was like an injury element there at play. Like, so I think there's going to have to be some other sort of circumstance along with it, whether it's recovering from an injury, whether it's I don't know what else it would be, but I, I just I just I, I don't think this will normalize it to the point where like we just see Jadavian Clowney's just straight up being like, nah, I'm healthy, but I'm going to skip junior season. Uh, he, Jadavian already kind of did that, though. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> don't do it in the way Jadavian did it. <laughs> yeah, I like this is where well, this is one of the issues where I wish that the NFL and college football could come together and say, "Like, what are we doing? Like, can we reevaluate our how guys declare?" Because I, I really wish that, like, the baseball model I think is perfect, but and they, you're going to run into some issues having guys stay three years. So they still might skip after two. But I really, I'm to the point now where I'm like, instead of players complaining and saying they're exploited or taking a year off like Jamar Chase is going to have to do, why not just let them go pro when they want to? Like, why not just let them come after their, even if they have a freshman year that's insane? Like, what's the worst case of letting them announce then and declare? And then, like baseball, let them get drafted. And if if they were fed some lie by an agent that said, hey, you're going to be a top 10 pick, you got to go, and they don't, then let them go back to college for their sophomore year. Let them go back. Like I, and it's a, I know it's a bigger picture issue. Back to your, your like premise there, Tom. I think, yes, you will see more players do this post-COVID next year take seasons off and start prepping for the NFL. I, 
And it's hard to criticize. It's literally, it's impossible to criticize when you think about the dollars and cents of it. Yeah, I wish they all wanted to play. I wish they would say, hey, I want to play for a championship with my teammates. But each player has to be treated like his own business. I mean, the money is that big. And it'd be foolish to tell any of them to go back when you've already accomplished everything every kid in high school dreams of accomplishing. Look at Jamar Chase. He's best receiver in the country. Season just went undefeated. Like he can't, you can't even sell him on, hey, come back for a back, you know, undefeated. It's like you just did that. You almost had a perfect season. So what left is there for him to prove unless he wanted to try to be a wide receiver that wins the Heisman, which would probably have an asterisk next to it because the Big Ten and Pac-12 weren't playing. So it's just I understand it. I hate that it's even a part of what we have to talk about as college football fans, but it's just a, a reality of the situation that players find themselves in. Jamar Chase has the best case for skipping his junior season probably possible like of anybody probably of anyone like of all time ever like he just like his his quarterback's gone who was the number one overall pick he's losing nine other starters along with him he's losing the pass game coordinator he was again arguably the very best player in college football one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time he is a no doubt top 10 pick what like you won a national championship, like Danny said. Like, yeah, I mean, there's just there, there's, there's nothing to gain. There's nothing to gain except yeah. for like personal achievement. So and his stock would go down. The only yeah. place his stock could go is down. Yeah. So it's what, not going to go any higher. What is the agent part of this? Because I saw that sort of creep up as part of the conversation where the um like we are at a point where there's a we are trying to enter into the name, image, and likeness era for for college athletes, and in that is so sort of school some school oversight in terms of allowing for contact with representation and how how does that either become a, a positive or a negative in terms of uh, giving the players the kind of advice that is going to be the best for the players well I think one other element of the name image and likeness stuff is that Jamar Chase right now is probably hearing from agents being like, bro, let me just hand you a million dollars right now and let's get to training and, and let, and, you know, forget all this, this college stuff. Like you're ready to go to the next level. And if there was a way, and and I don't know Jamar Chase's like home situation, but like if there was a way for Jamar Chase to capitalize on his own value in some way right now to where like the financial part of it was less of a, incentive and he can just go sign a couple jerseys or you know do a commercial for the local car dealership get a get hundred thousand dollars somewhere along the way and like math changes yeah math changes a little bit so I, I do think that's one element to it um i have no idea if that's sort of the was a deciding factor in this situation but um I, I, that's got to play a role and and these eight think about the agents too like they're sitting there being like um like they're, you know, maybe they got a shot like this, this whoever's, whoever's the lead for Jamar Chase right now, right? Like the agent that feels like he's, he's going to sign him. Um, he's, he, he could either sit there and like sweat it out through the season or he could be like Jamar, man, like it's cool. Like no one's going to blame you. Just eject from the season. Here's your check. Let's freaking roll. And so the pressure I would imagine from these players is much higher even than like a typical year on the agent side of it. Another aspect I think we should consider too, like especially with some late decisions, 
like Jamar's here where, you know, originally he was like, no, I'm, I'm playing. And now he's like, nah, I'm out. It might have been agents, but it could also be like until now, like classes and students have been showing up on campus recently. So for a while, like Jamar Chase, or if you're any player right now who's got like an NFL future, do you really want to sit on campus, go to those facilities every morning, get Q-tips shoved up your nose, swirled around numerous times, not be able to go out? No, you could stay, but you got to stay in your dorm. And when you move, you, you got to wear a mask. You got to do this. You're not allowed to go hang out with the student population, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Or you can opt out of the season, go live your life normally without getting a Q-tip shoved up your nose every three hours and just get ready for the draft. Do you think that plays a role in any of these decisions? I think that might start playing a role in the middle of the season. I, yeah. I, st- I started to think yeah. that there's going to be, once we get into like, shoot, game three, game six, middle September, or middle September, middle October, I think there are going to be players, and they might be on all ends of the spectrum too. I mean, they might be players that are opting out for the NFL draft, or they could just be somebody who's like, shh, nah, ain't worth it. For who? For what? <laughs> Doing this now? Like right. all of this? No, I don't, I don't think so. So I I think that we, I'm absolutely, I am prepared to see opt-outs at, at all ends of the production spectrum well into the season, even on like a I'm over this uh, type move. And what this does if I was a coach or if I was trying trying to you know get guys, I would say this presents an opportunity for players because there always is a recency bias. It's human nature. Somebody goes out there and has a season like Chase had last year. Like he, he's he's projected to go top receiver overall, but that's not a lock. Somebody else comes and does it in a season like this. And this is kind of the way I've always believed I would probably react to these. Like you mentioned Le- Leonard Fournette, um, Tom, who, you know, who ironically got cut today, right? He was yeah, fourth which overall Which is exactly pick. why you he's know, in my mind. <laughs> right. And it's, if I was evaluating two players, but here's where you get into trouble if you do this, is say, well, I want the guy who wants to play, the guy who's, you know, hungry to play that will finish the season. You know, that year, Christian McCaffrey sat out his bowl game too. You know, so like, it's not like there's a perfect ideal scenario. But if I had two players that I would judge as, really close that were really equal if i was selecting one of them i would lean towards the guy who did finish the season who did take it further along with his teammates but it would have to be a hey these guys are almost identical what's the difference and i can't decide oh it's the guy i would take the guy that at least appears to like playing and wants to play no matter if nothing's at stake well, look, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is the assumed number one, but, you know, there's Trey Lance, there's Justin Fields, there's, you know, you never know. I would, I, I, I have Kelly not Mond. spoken to any uh, NFL people about this, but I would assume that Trevor Lawrence is, we hashtag, we want to play, like leading the charge, like fighting to get on the field, despite him sitting there with number one, you know, boxed on his profile. Uh, I would assume that that has cemented him even further into that number one spot because I think coaches just like that. Yep. I would agree. Uh, another opt-out from over the weekend. Hey, before is- we move on from Jamar Chase, though, can we get a, just sort of a, a, a refresh on the LSU depth chart right now? Sure. So I just want to circle back. So uh, starting running back, first-round draft pick. Starting quarterback, number one draft pick. Starting slots, first-round draft pick. Starting X returns starting Z. I don't know what they framed Jamar Chase as 
uh, first round draft pick. That is my Stephen Sullivan. That is Moss Stephen Sullivan. Top two tight ends gone. Right tackle back. Top two right guards gone. Center gone. Left guard gone. Left tackle gone. <laughs> Safety second rounder gone. Cornerback Christian Fulton second rounder gone. Linebacker third rounder gone. Linebacker first rounder gone. Linebacker first rounder gone. D end top two D ends gone. Like. Like there's another opt out in the secondary too. Oh, right? there's opt out. Kerry Vincent. Yeah, Kerry Vincent gone. gone. Like, I mean, if you're gonna sit here and be like, you know, LSU just keeps on recruiting well, and man, this just got a great culture in place and national championship and yada yada yada. Like whatever. Like you might be right, but I'm just telling you, man, this is a this is a dramatically different roster, a dramatically different team. Uh, I'm I feel like whatever the number is, like I I I. I, I I feel even stronger by the day. Like this is just going to be an underplay. I mean, I just yeah. don't know how anyone like, like no offense to coach. O, no offense to anyone involved in that program right now or the roster of the players that are turning. That is just an incredible, incredible amount of turnover that you have to replace and an identity that you have to rebuild. And yeah, that, we just got to get a new pot of the gumbo going, go Tigers. Yeah. Like <laughs> if they had, that team was as much talent as it is, and they weren't playing in the SEC West against these other teams, then yeah, they could probably take that roster and go and win a bunch of games. But when like the margins are so thin against a Florida and an Auburn and a Texas A&M, like those games right there, that's where you end up coming up a little bit short. I agree with you on that one. Uh, the other big, big name from over the weekend was Memphis star running back Kenneth Gainwell. He has opted out of the 2020 season and he has said he's going to start to go ahead and, and look to prepare for the NFL draft. So he was set to be a red shirt sophomore red shirt his first year. Last year was one of the top freshmen as a red shirt freshman in the entire country. I mean, he was a night. Let's see. He came onto the scene basically exploded for a year. Now he's off. This is a massive loss for Memphis, who does have a lot of talented players in that backfield, but this felt... I, I look at the Kenneth Gainwell decision, and while he is probably going to get some attention for the NFL draft, I feel like this one hits a little bit on the personal level, where No, this is... Yeah, did you see what his dad said? He, I mean, he's had four family yeah. members die after contracting the coronavirus, including his uncle, and they just had his uncle's funeral over the weekend. Uh, so that is awful. That mm-hmm. is like a incredible like weight to try and imagine, and I can't imagine. And so for him, you know, there's obviously another piece of this that exists beyond some of the same, you know, agent related and NFL draft related discussions, um, like reaction to the news. And then also, again, like just to, to spin it forward with Memphis, how much confidence do you have in Ryan Silverfield's first year taking over that this is going to be something that can keep the Tigers in that same position, which is competing for an American Athletic Conference championship? Uh, well, first of all, my thoughts are with Kenneth's family because that's that's awful that what has happened to that family in the last few months and then with his uncle this weekend. As for the impact on Memphis, I don't think it's quite the same situation as with LSU because, A, Memphis isn't losing as much overall. But also, I think it's just the position 
is much more easily replaceable from a production standpoint. And we have seen, even in just recent years, that Memphis has been able to take its you know its star running back that does freaking everything for its offense that Brady White's been handing the ball off to for the last 35 years and find a new <laughs> running back to come in and put up that same kind of production. So when you look at their depth chart, it's like, the what's his um Asa Martin. What, Asa Martin. Asa Martin. Yeah, the former. The uh, he went to Auburn. He was Miami. original, right? Yeah. Uh, so. He went to yeah, Auburn, and they transferred out to um, Miami. Uh, I forgot where he would transfer out after Auburn, but then he's this is like his third school. Yeah, but so the, he's a talented player. There's other players on that depth chart who weren't the big name getting tons of carries, but they have gotten some carries and they have been productive out there. So. I don't know that this really hurts Memphis's overall ceiling in the AAC. Obviously, it would be better to have Kenneth Gainwell going into the year because you know what you're getting, and he was so important to that offense, not only leading the team in rushing, but literally finishing second on the team in receptions as well. So it's it's you can't say it's not a huge loss. I just don't think the impact for any running back is ever going to be as big as it would be for like a top receiver or a quarterback on offense. Yeah, I, I think the Memphis is. Uh, I think they'll like this is a big blow, but um, they. I think that they have. They still have talent. Um, I think Rodriguez Clark is the other guy that they've got that's pretty good. I, I just think they've um, the uh, Kyron uh, Watkins. I want to say is the other kid who's a kind of a local guy that's that was really productive in high school. Um, they'll they'll be okay in the backfield. Uh, they're still going to have a really good offensive line. They still have Brady White there to to ground them um, seven years into his career. Wait, you mean so, ground them, like not let them leave the house on the weekends as right. the father in the That's locker right. room? <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm yeah, I, I still, I'm, I am uh, not changing my Memphis to win the AAC pick. I am not changing my UCF pick to win the AAC either. Um, but when it comes to, I, I it's, just to echo your guys' thoughts, it, it's long, and I would even limit it probably to quarterback. Like, yeah, even wide receiver, there are other guys out there. But the running back, it's just a position that I think is easier to replace. It's easier to hide deficiencies. It's just, it's not as impactful. Um, but like from a from a when we said, hey, there's only one way to go down with Jamar Chase, and this is aside from the extremely personal reasons which he did you know, site in why he's sitting out this season and, and going to the NFL. I do think he could have cemented himself as one of the top two or three backs, which is where he's projected now. And I do think he runs the risk of backs that are out there competing, surpassing him and could drop in the draft. And I think it's going to put an immense amount of pressure on his pro day combine, whatever he does for evaluation I think all of these guys, I think it'll be the same for Jamar Chase. Anybody who opts out, all of a sudden you're going to have a one-day opportunity and you better have been working out, doing all the things that you've been saying. And because that's like if there's only one opportunity to evaluate them, again, they're probably going to nitpick and they're probably going to start marking down, hey, man, we thought he was faster back when he played or this. And so you better reinforce those thoughts because if you slip up just a little bit, they're going to say, ooh, and then they don't have any film to go back on to watch you that year, and they have other guys that they've seen there. So I do think Kenneth Gainwell, from a purely evaluation standpoint, how does this impact his draft status? I do think he could if he could have gone either way. He could have gone a little bit higher, and I think he runs the risk of getting surpassed by some backs that are out there going to be playing this year. Coming up on the other side, players who are making a buzz next 
back with another edition of the camp buzz. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, why, why even waste any more time? Players that are making a buzz. Camp, camp buzz. Camp, camp buzz. Camp, camp buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. Let's start in Danny's old stomping grounds. Tallahassee, Florida. Danny, how about your boy Joshua Kando? Huh? Former five-star, you know, teetering on bus status for much of his career. Everyone just wondering when he's going to break out. And he is apparently having the camp of his life down in Tallahassee under Mike Norvell. Uh, I think the thing that's really interesting about Florida State, and I think Joshua Kando really hammers at home. Like they still are probably going to be sloppy on offense. Um, even with Mike Norvell, the, the guru coming in quarterback, who knows, you know, they, they sort of thin at running back all kinds of reasons, but like defensively, they seem to be like, they may be kind of stout as defensive line in particular looks really strong. DBs are talented. Uh, it seems like they got some options at linebacker. I think Joshua Kando's emergence on the defensive line is no small thing because that defense might have some games where they, they just, they give him a chance and they keep him in it. He's going to have to, uh, um, by the way, he wears number 13, our team chaplain for Florida State, who's still there. Ironically sent me a text the other day. And it was all the other 13s. And, uh, that jumped out to me when I saw it, uh, the other day, if they get Marvin Wilson, who's as good as advertised, if they get that version of Marvin Wilson, who is opted in, who, and as of, as we sit here today, um, I do think, and he's the defense is going to have to play that well while the offense kind of gets up to speed while they figure out their quarterback. And I was thinking, like, all right, well, when's because you know it used to be both sides of the line, both defensive end positions, you'd have two dudes who were screaming off the edge who would terrorize other quarterbacks, and then Mickey Andrews would lock everybody up in man coverage and play single high safety or zero, and just say, all right, we're coming to get you. I'm trying to think like from a guy on the edge, you know, they've had a couple, but like they need somebody to emerge that is an enforcer. That's a guy that you have to worry about, that you have to slide protections to, that you have to chip a back to. And if Kando can do that, then all of a sudden that disruption up front with him and Marvin Wilson coming in the middle could be exactly what Florida State's defense needs. And I don't know if, if Chip was just pandering to his uh, his new co-host here on Cover 3, but I did see him on CBS Sports HQ saying Florida State, one of the most underrated teams in the ACC. That's right. I mean, I I, I firmly believe it. I, I am uh, very bullish on – so you don't believe it's going to be James Blackman? I do. Okay. But, but even when I say it's James Blackman, he has to play better. Yeah. And that, which will be an extension of the offensive line, which has had issues. But again, he's learning a new system. It's, but he's so good I, at that. He's had to learn four new systems during his career. I mean, exactly. Jimbo threw him out there after DeAndre Francois got crushed by Alabama in the opener. And he's had to figure things out on the fly, like at every single turn. I, t- I think I told you guys this last week. I love James Blackman. I love everything about him. But I think the coaches look at him and they're like, hey, he's our leader. He's our emotional leader. He's a guy who kind of is an inspirer. He's a, you know, that every, the, the, the team gravitates toward. But even in the back of their mind, I think they're thinking we've got to get better quarterback play, better decision making from the pocket. And that, and that starts with James Blackman. I do think he's going to start, but I don't think it's a lock by any means because – 
you know, when uh, Purdy comes back and he's, you know, injuries not that bad, like there, there's going to be other players that are there waiting. And I, I think this is the type of year where, hey, what, why stick with James Blackman if, you know, it's a, it's a funky year, there's going to be depth chart. Like, why not experiment? It's your first year there from Mike Norvell's staff. Let's, and you, we hear this all the time. If he doesn't, if he falters, let's figure out the future. Let's figure out what's going to happen. You know, let's get some guys some experience. So, yeah, I think James Blackman's the guy, but he has to play better to keep that spot. Yeah, my uh, my Florida State underrated was built on the back that they of the idea that they have top two defense in the ACC, maybe top three defense in the ACC. Certainly one of the best uh, in the conference, and they're so talented, even on the back end that if they get better play on the back end, uh, I think it'll be certainly significant. Players that are making a buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. All right, sound the quarterback competition alarm. Ooh. We've got a uh, we've got a leading contender in Oxford. Uh, so... I think we all were very much um, believers in the John Rice Plumley uh, freshman year and, and certainly the marriage with Rich Rodriguez. And, and at the very least, we are excited about the uh, electricity that he was going to bring to the position for a few years. And then when Lane Kiffin came, like, I don't know, depends on how you look at it. Like, yeah, you know what? He's going to be one of more pass-friendly quarterback. Maybe it's Matt Corral's time. But, you know, they're bringing Jeff Levy over from UCF, the offensive coordinator, and uh, he can he can operate with an athletic quarterback too. And so this was going to be a very interesting spring. Uh, in the preseason, I believe they had a scrimmage either Saturday or Sunday. Preseason, the all the buzz seems to be indicating that Matt Corral is – emerging wow. as the starter. Wow. As, he seems to be in the lead. Um, and I think that's just about like wanting to be a competent pass game, um, wanting to be consistent um, in that offense under center throwing the ball. And so I think Matt Corral's got that edge. Um, you know, it's interestingly enough, like there's, I think even their freshman running back, it sounds like are, are, are doing really well. So they're, they're, they're absolutely loaded at running back, um, but only one or two of those guys on the field at a time. They need they need help at the at the quarterback position. Um, Matt Corral seems to be seems to be surging. How long until Plumlee transfers? <laughs> <laughs> right. If he doesn't fit the system, right? Maybe he ends up at Auburn. I bet he fits that system. Very hmm. hmm. astute observation. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think this uh, Ole Miss Offense, even if, if Matt Corral is the starter, do you maintain um, do you maintain the same high level of expectation that comes with an offense that is led by Lane Kiffin? Because Lane Kiffin has rarely produced uh, offenses that have lacked production as a head coach or a coordinator. Yeah, I, th- I think they will be pretty good on offense. I also like, I just think that they've got good skill also. I mean, Jerry and Ely could be one of the best running backs in the country this year. Snoop Connor was one of the better freshman running backs in the country last year. They've got two elite freshman running backs this year in, uh, uh, uh Bullock and the, uh, I'm blanking on the other freshman's name. Who's who I actually like better. 
Um, but they're like they've got guys. Elijah Moore at, court, at, at receiver, like they're. I don't know. I wouldn't say they're deep at offensive line, but they have. I think they're pretty good on the first the first line. So the pieces are there. Um, but just like every program, like who knows how far along they are, how far behind they are. Like it's just we're all just guessing. We haven't had any spring practice, no insight, no no media really at any of these practices these days because limited COVID restrictions. So hey, who the hell knows? I will say, as far as Corral's concerned, that kid just looks like a quarterback. Like he's got that entire like he's got QB face and he's got a huge arm. So I do think that you put him in Lane Kiffin's offense and it it could work out pretty well. It could be very interesting to see. And I do think that he's been the better fit for a Lane Kiffin offense ever since Kiffin, you know, took over. So I'm not all that shocked by this. And, and as much as John Rice Plumley was fun to watch last year running all over defenses, he was very extremely limited as a passer as far as accuracy. And I know you can attribute that to Rich Rod. This is what he wants to do. But I still feel like even Rich Rod would have liked to have thrown the ball a little bit more. I mean, his biggest passing yardage total, his his best game was he had 141 yards against Bama. And that was probably because they were down late and they didn't have any other option but to throw. So, like, I, I think it might just be a clear cut of John Rice Plumley is an incredible athlete. And I see, here's what I wouldn't be surprised of if Lane... And I think Lane fits the mold of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show more like, hey, just kind of fly by the seat of pants. I'm an offensive genius. I can figure out ways to make dial-up plays. I wouldn't be surprised to see John Rice Plumley doing some other things. So instead of transferring, I think you might see him involved in the offense still, just not the starting quarterback. Players that are making a buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. So this is my last camp buzz. This is, I'm pulling this one from, we released on 24-7 Sports, the preseason true freshman All-American team. And so that was kind of fun to put together. So so it's a collection of kind of camp buzz, basically true freshman specific. Yeah, Chip? Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to include a a little note and a shout out to this. And I I just, I got to get the question in before I know which side of the ball you're picking. Is this okay. a, de- a defensive side of the ball or offensive side of the ball? Uh, this is this is like kind of one of each. Okay, it's very very Barton that y'all are running a four two five on your preseason <laughs> freshman All America team, and, and included in the write up, and it is on twenty four seven sports dot com. Please go check it out. It is all of the names that you're going to need to know from the true freshman perspective. But you even included like a very Barton like. I mean, we were just trying to get our best 11 on the field. <laughs> sure so we were just trying to yeah. run. There's two linebackers, and they're both great linebackers that you that you gave shout-outs to, but we've got five defensive backs. We've got to get our best 11 yeah. on the field. So, yeah, That's I don't right. want I don't want to step on your uh, your camp buzz, but I took note and loved the 4-2-5 that y'all are running. Well, one of the – so, okay, I'll, I'll go um, – I'll go. I'll go defense first because that kind of speaks to the four-two-five. So I think this is really, and it's, and it's your boys in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jacorius Conley is a guy that I threw on there. Um, I basically have two nickels on the team because I think Malcolm Green is going to start for Clemson as a nickel. Uh, that's that's kind of what the the buzz has been at, in Clemson camp so far. Uh, but I also have Jacorius Conley in there, who I don't know if he's going to start at nickel for. Um, for UNC, but it sounds like he's going to play a lot at nickel. And it's basically like you're right there. It's your, your small nickel and big nickel. Like you're 
Malcolm Green is like your true slot corner. And Jacorius Conley is like your you may not start him at nickel against the um, you know, the the spread air raid team, but you might try to get like basically a three safety defense on the field. Uh, sort of like Notre Dame did a lot with Kyle Hamilton last year. He's just this really unique six foot one, kind of 215 pound safety that probably could be linebacker long term, but is just too good to to move right now. So I thought that was really interesting, kind of the way that he was balling out preseason and 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 the way you might see Jay Bateman use him at North Carolina. They, as good as they sort of are this year, they've got some pretty good young freshmen that are going to play. Um, and then the other one on the offensive side of the ball, I went, I had fun digging up the offensive lineman because that's such a, like, it's all about like your opportunity and, you know, it's not, and, and the best, best offensive linemen sometimes take longer to develop, but I, I I got really positive buzz out of a guy named Caleb Rogers at Texas Tech, which was exciting because I kind of liked him coming out of high school. And then uh, at Charlotte, Tykeus Crawford is going to start at right tackle more than likely. He was a four-star guy, and this is unique. This is COVID-related. He was a four-star guy, was going to go to Arkansas, was going to go to a couple other big-time programs, didn't have the grades, committed on signing day to go to a junior college. And then some of the when the COVID stuff hit in the spring, some of the rules loosened in terms of what you could do academically to get these guys on campus because they weren't able to go out and take tests. And based on due diligence, uh, Charlotte's offensive line coach was a GA at Texas A&M last year or a quality control at Texas A&M. And so he dug him up, got him over there. And now he's like he's a monster and a stud and he's going to be starting right tackle at Charlotte and probably going to be a, a beast for them. My question, uh, and people, listeners, you're going to have to go to 247sports.com to see the photo I'm about to ask you about so you can read the article too. What the hell is Jalen Hyatt wearing on his head in that photo? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick the photos. I got to pull it up. Is it one of those like shells? Yeah, it's like, like helmet giant, helmets. He looks like, you know, Spaceballs. He looks like, you know, whatever the guy, the, the Darth Vader character in Spaceballs was. He looks like he's wearing one of those on his head. He's got the helmet for the helmet. Yeah, yes. the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the new thing. I don't know. Like, I'm not, we didn't have those when I played. I know like, they didn't have them when Danny played either. <laughs> are those, are they neck them. strengtheners? Is that what we're doing here? Like, we're going to have the strongest necks in the world. I think, it, I assume thing. it's just added protection to just make sure, like, yeah, they, they take further perco- uh, concussion precautions. It's, it's one more thing they can sell for a lot of money <laughs> that's going to make every parent feel a little bit safer about their son playing football. Neil Armstrong wore that on the moon. Because <laughs> I was going to ask you, I was like, in the non-Eric Gilbert, Brian Brzee category, who are some of the names that stood out? So I'm glad that you uh, you beat me to the punch right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, be sure you go and check it out on uh, 247sports.com. He is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. He is Tom Fernelli. Follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Please subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast. That way you can get everything, including these week one locks first. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.